This is the Rediscovering Resilience podcast, helping you create more health, wealth, and happiness for yourself, your family, and business. I'm Stu Darling, and I'll be sharing everything you need to rediscover your resilience and live a life beyond limits. In today's show, I'm interviewing John Parker, a sprightly businessman of only 80 years young. We talk about resilience, breeding resilience in our children and our grandchildren. We talk about business, the future of New Zealand, and spying in the old Soviet Union. Doesn't get much more exciting than that. I am very, very fortunate in this life for so many different reasons, but I have got friends, people that I can call friends from... Teenagers all the way through to sprightly experienced people, let's call them. And I am honoured to have on the show John Parker, who celebrated his 80th birthday fairly recently, but is still like massively active on his huge piece of land that he keeps a beautiful garden with his wife, Glenda, but also has a huge amount of business experience supporting New Zealand across the globe in the past. So we're going to talk to John. John, good morning. Good morning. How is the Kapiti Coast this morning? The Kapiti Coast is all the better for having a sprightly 80-year-old. I've never been called that. <laughs> An old fart, um, senile, all sorts of things, but never sprightly. Uh, look, I'm, you know, I love spending time with you and Glenda because you know, it just shows me that um, you know, age is just a number and it's how it's the way that we approach life that is so important. Um what have you now? You've got so many experiences. I mean, we could pick a pick about you. You running around the Soviet Union. We could pick about company directorship, but all of those things. How have all of those experiences taught you about resilience? Well, I don't think I ever deliberately ever learned about resilience. In fact, when I was young, I don't think it was a concept that was ever uh, mm-hmm. talked about, except technically as a uh, the ability of an object to spring back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is pertinent, and I, it has to be a learned experience, resilience. We're not born resilient or non-resilient, so I think it's life's experiences. And if you're lucky, you have enough experiences to make you resilient that don't break you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think today perhaps we do wrap our kids or young people up in cotton wool a bit much and they would be more resilient if they'd been pushed harder Mm -hmm. without breaking them. And I guess that's the trick. How do you get pushed harder without getting broken? Um, Obviously, the more more experiences you have that are tough, the more resilient you're going to get. Um, Working for a tough employer, working for unreasonable people um, mightn't be pleasant, but gosh, you learn a lot of how to live with people, how to be resilient physically and mentally so uh, I, I guess some people can test their test their resilience or build their resilience through sports some through jobs outward bound the military boot mm-hmm. camp all, all sorts of things but our limits are a lot higher than most people think if they haven't had some experience 
and jobs that built the resilience. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think it's really, really interesting that um, you, you mentioned kids being wrapped up in cotton wool. And, uh, you know, I, I agree. We, we're too quick to do that these days. We used to, you know, we've travelled the world as well. And it always amazed me how, how quickly the kids bounced back when you arrive somewhere new. They just got up and got on with it. Um, rather than wondering, you know, all of the worries that you know, Liz and I might have had about arriving somewhere new, they were just, oh, I've met a new friend and, uh, and off I go. Um, you're a dad. You're also a granddad. How are those relationships different um, with the experience you gained being a dad to the relationship you have with your grandkids? Well, I, I don't think I was a great father. Uh, I mean, thank heavens my daughters had a great mother. Um, <laughs> I, I travelled so much for my job that at one stage I was told by somebody in Air New Zealand that I had more air points by about 50% than anyone else in the country. Wow. Now, that might sound great. Um, Did that give gosh, you a free bag of peanuts? You, you've been away so often, it's it's awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter told me one time when I was apologising for not being home for her birthday that it didn't really matter. She'd looked at her diary, and I hadn't been there the last four years either. I mean, that's she did that deliberately, of course, mm-hmm. as a young teenager. She knew how to cut me. Yep. Um, so I'm nicer to my granddaughters than I am to my daughters. Mm-hmm. I only had daughters, and I only have granddaughters. And uh, I learned a lot. I, I wasn't a good father. I mean, I was good, I think, when I was home, but I was just not home enough, and I was too tough on my wife and my kids. Mm-hmm. But that that time being away, did you, you know, at the time, and I mean, you know, we were away for different reasons. You know, my um, my military career saw me in in lots of different places, and I do sometimes wonder if if my priorities were wrong, that I almost loved the military more than more than my family. I mean, I I did love them, but that military career was so important. Surely, you were um, the fact that you were providing for them was what was in your mind at the time. Uh, yes, of course, but is that a, a good reason or an excuse? Um, and you have to examine that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get into these jobs, you feel responsible, you're doing well. Uh, so, but you, I, I did, I neglected my my daughters. But did they, did they turn years? And it was particularly did. tough on my wife, who mm. was working full time as the headmistress or deputy head of a girls' school. Wow, okay. And so, but did they turn out all right? Uh, yes. Uh, at my youngest daughter's wedding, I said that had I been able to catch her between the ages of 11 and about 16 or 17, mm-hmm. I would have murdered her. Uh, and more importantly, <laughs> I don't believe, given the evidence I could provide, there would have been a court in the land that would have convicted me. <laughs> um, but she then turned human and is now my best friend or one of my best friends. Um, and uh, I've got a granddaughter who's looking like going there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I loved my daughters. I loved my children and my granddaughters unconditionally. But it's not always easy. 
Uh, no, and um, yeah, but when you punch through the other side of it, you you see the um, you, you see the fruits of that of that tenacity, I suppose. Because yeah, you know, I'm with you. It's the tenacity of getting through those downtimes that that create that relationship for the future. You've spoken lots about tra- traveling, and um, I did mention uh, when I was introducing you that you um, you worked in the the Soviet Union. That must have been a little bit of a mind shift, moving from. Uh, uh, New Zealand, or you're know, traveling from New Zealand um, all the way into you know what was the, um, the the Cold War Soviet Union? How did you how did you cope with those massive changes? Well, it was it was just about as bad as some of the novels uh, mm. tell you. Um, you couldn't go to the Soviet Union at all as a tourist, mm-hmm. uh, at least not very easily. And it, however you went there you were restricted on where you could go. Your visa determined where you could travel to, which was probably very few places indeed. So I went at the invitation of the government of the Soviet Union, an outfit called Prodentorg, which bought all their dairy produce and meat Mm -hmm. uh, because they wanted these products. So I would go sometimes for three weeks at a time. Uh, The circumstances weren't great. The reception was awful your room was searched Mm -hmm. your room was bugged Mm -hmm. um i won't bore you with the detail of how i know those things i can remember specifically one day it's minus 30 degrees um going stir crazy and thinking i will escape the ever present uh accompanying guard Mm -hmm. And I will go and find a restaurant I'd been told about. So I went to the Uzbekistan restaurant. And I'd been sitting in there for 10 minutes thinking I've escaped everybody when somebody brought me over a phone on a long cord. There were no cell phones those days. Yep. And there was a call for me from Prodentorg wanting to change the meeting the next day. They, they just wanted to tell me they knew where the hell yep. I was, mm-hmm. whatever I did. So it was disconcerting. The phone wouldn't work. Uh, you couldn't ring anybody. And when I told Prod and Talk in a fit of pique at one time that there was no way in hell I was going to meet their price, and they said, talk to your people back home. I said, I can't. The phone doesn't work. They said, go to your room. It will work. <laughs> of course, I went to my room, and it worked. But you wouldn't say anything on it because yep. the buggers would have um, known exactly what you are saying. Mm. So, yeah, mind games. And horrible conditions to live in, and it makes yeah, it makes negotiating a little bit difficult when um, the other side knows your position right from the start. Oh no, 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 they didn't, uh, because I never disclosed my position. Oh, okay. I made sure that I had notes throughout my papers that I left in my room mm-hmm. that had all sorts of bullshit about uh, what my negotiating position was, and I only hope they read them all. Fantastic! Yeah, it really excites me. I um, I got into into that sort of world um, just at the end of the Cold War, um, so um, so didn't have the um, didn't have the excitement of travelling um, the, the the Soviet Union and the um, the the Warsaw Pact bloc um, in the way that is described in all of those books. But um, I mean, I mean, that's just one example of some of the some of the stories the stories you have shared um, with with your time just in the um in in the soviet union um so moving away from the soviet union and, and back to new zealand and back to 2021 with 
your global experience, um, and I, do, you know, I truly respect the global experience that you had when you know, New Zealand was still a very young country. What do you see as the biggest challenges facing New Zealand as we move forward? Oh, uh, Just a small a title. Question. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, I think addressing inequality. I mean, I think the whole world has got progressively unequal. Mm-hmm. Um, inequality has grown. I mean, the rich have got richer and the poor have got relatively poorer. And even if you're a right winger who is rich um, and thinks that's fine, you better reflect that in a democracy, all those other people have got to vote mm-hmm. and they will only tolerate this for so long before they put you out of power. Mm-hmm. So. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. I think we've got to address inequality. And I just wish it wouldn't get mixed up. I mean, I know it's a empty wish uh, with racial mm. issues. In other words, the poor are poor. Let's deal with the poor. Yep. And I think a lot of issues we deal with that um, involve Maori, mm-hmm. uh, very often it's more poverty we ought to be talking about. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little story. I went, I deliberately went onto the Maori roll. Um, the best of my knowledge, I have no Maori heritage, but I wouldn't really know. <laughs> yeah. um, but I went there because somebody told me I couldn't, and and of course anybody can go on the Maori roll. Mm-hmm. But th- there's a there's a purpose to it. If we could all go on the Maori roll, everybody in New Zealand went on the Maori roll. Um, We'd have no more them than us. We'd all be Maori. So we'd mm-hmm. deal with the issues without racial overtones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also might get rid of a lot of seats in the House, which wouldn't be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, let's, let's all go on the Maori roll. I think that's. I think that's a really, really fascinating view. That you, know, we, we. I, I agree that yeah, you know, the, the problems of New Zealand um, are the problems of New Zealand, and within that, we almost create micro problems by saying I'm a this, I'm a that, and it's, it's a global issue. Um, you know, when when you look at uh, you know, and, and um, the, the the book Healing the Nation I read um, a couple of years ago takes um, takes examples from South Africa and from Canada as well um, as yes. to how they have they've begun to. to solve the problem um to, or to, to solve the challenges of the past let's call them rather than problems um but interestingly that by you know, by going the other way by going in the minority direction rather than the majority direction you think there might be a solution in there well yes i mean it's slightly tongue-in-cheek because it's it's difficult um i guess i'm saying i don't mind if, if we all become one or the other and of course even that has serious tones mm-hmm. uh, of racism because <laughs> yeah. it would be argued that I'm trying to uh, uh, undo a whole race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care what we are, but if we could just get rid of these distinctions, um, I'm not saying we should get rid of history. We, we can't do that, and nor should we try, and we should recognise the issues of history, but um, try and make the issues what I think they are which is poverty, caused by racism in many cases. I mm-hmm. happily, uh, well, unhappily concede that. But, you know, let's deal with them. Um, let's deal with inequality. Um, I think that 
the current government is, is, is trying. I, I give them that. Would I agree with all they do? No, but of course I wouldn't agree with whatever government was in mm-hmm. uh, in total. Yeah, it's um, it's it's almost become um, it's a it's, there's that compound effect now that um, it doesn't matter which government gets in we've you know, we've created this situation and it's um, it is yeah it's just challenging to deal with um, but um, but yeah I agree that if we treated it as New Zealanders rather than lots of different groups living within New Zealand then um, then we're far more likely to solve it uh, because we come to the problem as a one rather other than as as lots of many um going back to uh, you know, um so so that's the that's how we're going to we're going to save the world john um but folks with a look at me we spoke to kirk earlier on the show and he's got um three young girls and another one on the way um another baby on the way What's and not? and uh he's uh, he, well yeah indeed um and he does a lot of work with um, youth and with teenagers so you've got a bag of experience Give me, you know, ju- give me just a, a, a glimmer of that experience. What, what would you say to to everyone listening, and there are quite a few, um, about your experience and the way that they can lead the sort of life that you've led that has culminated? Well, it's not culminated yet, but in in, in a sprightly, youthful eighty years. Ah. Uh. Oh, I'm a disappointment to you. I don't know. It's a culmination of, of life experiences. I think don't I, I think don't treat kids with cotton wool. Uh, let them make some mistakes. Uh, tolerate them climbing trees, walking to school. Not everybody on the street is a pedophile. You'd be dead unlucky if they were. Um, we've 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 got to uh, let kids push themselves a bit harder. Mm-hmm. And I think we also have to push them a bit harder. I don't think anybody should get into a job, uh, get into a management job, without having to do quite hard work themselves mm-hmm. um, and have, have that life experience. So I think, yeah, we've, we've got to make sure kids are not cotton wool. We've, we've got to have them test their limits We've got to tolerate that they will break some rules as long mm-hmm. as they don't kill themselves or do harm to others. Yep. Uh, they'll probably learn. And and I think, you know, I'm going to go back, right back to you know, the, the beginning. I agree with all of it so much, but you spoke about experience. Make sure they have experiences, and those experiences shouldn't be all of the time vicarious it shouldn't be through the television it shouldn't be through gaming all of the time although that does teach you resilience and tenacity at times um, but it's getting out and having different experiences thank you for listening to rediscovering resilience with Stu darling if you're looking for more content head over to www.stewdarling.com <laughs>